Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Sometimes it's the normal, sometimes it's the abnormal, and sometimes it's the paranormal, but it's always beyond reality. Welcome to the program, everyone. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. Thanks for being here tonight. We've got a really interesting discussion ahead of us tonight. We're going to be talking about alien abduction. In fact, our guest tonight, Kathleen Martin, will tell us what to do if we think we've been abducted. There are actually millions of people who claim to have had this experience. Some of them don't uh, recognize it right away, and the truth or their truth comes out during hypnosis or other, some other type of traumatic event. And then they often find themselves wondering what to do about it and how to handle it. And Kathleen has advice for them as well. So uh, a great conversation. We will take your phone calls in the second hour of the show. Uh, one thing, I, I I don't watch a lot of television, okay, but I, I, I have watched some. And I've noticed that, you know, obviously we've got some new paranormal shows coming back to the uh, networks, including a re- reboot of Ghost Hunters with the uh, original Ghost Hunters member Grant Wilson leading a team. Uh, that's going to be on A&E, and I think that, that actually premieres uh, day after tomorrow, Thursday night. It's going to be really interesting to see. Um, I was speaking with Grant not long ago, and he was talking about how uh, much uh, different it is this time around. A lot of new technology going to be used, plus to, just a different approach all the way around. He's really excited about it. He's got a brand new team he's working with. He's very, very excited about that. And then in October, of course, Grant, uh, excuse me, Jason's Hawes' program will debut, and that's going to be uh, called Ghost Nation with Steve Gonzalez and uh, Dave Tango, and the three of them will be out doing some more in paranormal investigating as well. So we've got a lot of stuff happening just in the normal course of these paranormal programs. And then I see that William Shatner is now hosting a program. Now, he's not out investigating, but William Shatner himself is now hosting a program that talks about uh, paranormal-type topics. It's called uh, The Unexplained, I think. And uh, I just saw an ad for for a program that's coming up uh, of his, and uh, they're talking about uh, life after death. Kind of exactly up our alley here. Uh, was surprised to see surprised to see that William Shatner's doing that, but good for him and good for us, I guess. It gives us more to watch and talk about. Um, very interesting, though. Maybe we can even get him on the program. That would be a lot of fun. Captain James T. Kirk, the original himself. Which, by the way, still, I'm a huge fan of those uh, three seasons of Star Trek that, um, uh, you know, the original series. The theme song alone just um, kind of brings back a lot of fond memories. My mother used to watch the program, you know, it was in syndication at that point during the 70s. But uh, hearing that theme song gives me kind of a comforting feeling. Kind of interesting. Anyway, so, yeah, uh, it, it we have a lot of new paranormal television. We're going to try to get people from all these programs to come on, chat a little bit about what's going on. And I also saw something earlier today about a paranormal all-star investigation for Halloween. So a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot going on. Um, the phone number, if you want to join our discussion about alien abduction in the second hour of the program, we'll take your calls. It's 844-687-7669. We'd be happy to have you on, especially if you feel like you've had this kind of experience or you know somebody that has. You know, it's not as uncommon as we think it might be. So we'll take your calls in the second hour of the show. In the meantime, swing by Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like. It's Beyond Reality Radio on Facebook. Also, my Facebook page, J.V. Johnson. Go right there. You can find it actually easier by typing in JVJ Paranormal. And it'll come up. Give it a like. Follow what I've got going on. We have a lot of interesting conversations 
about paranormal topics. Plus, we talk about what's going on here on the show. And then finally, YouTube has a great resource for you if you like the program. You can go there and find the channel, which is just JV Johnson. And there's a whole archive of back programs. Plus, we stream the show live. And if you happen to join the live stream, you will be able to participate in the chat room, which is a lot of fun as well. Hate all our chatters. Uh, All right, let's go to break. When we come back, we will bring our guests in. Again, tonight we're talking with Kathleen Martin. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save 40%, 50%, even 80% on great products. And all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money, but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find noodle shark on facebook search it as the noodle shark that's the noodle shark because you deserve to save too become a shark and save by the way today was and although we've moved into wednesday here on the east coast today tuesday was uh, national radio day so i'd like to take a second first of all and uh, thank everyone who's helped make my radio career so much fun And also thank all the radio stations that carry the program, because without you, we'd have nothing. So thank you to those stations. There's many, many of them across the country, and there are many more joining our affiliate uh, list all the time. So thank you for doing that. Our guest tonight, Kathleen Martin, is an author and a UFO researcher. Her website is her name, Kathleen-Martin.com. She's got five books to her credit. We're going to be talking about probably all of them, but her newest book is called Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted. Kathleen, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. So I was go- my first question to you was going to be, what got you interested in this? And then I realized, of course, I know what got you interested in this. You're actually related to uh, Betty and Barney Hill, uh, the most famous abduction case that uh, has ever been talked about. You are absolutely correct. I was 13 years old when my aunt Betty and my uncle Barney had their close encounter with a UFO in New Hampshire's White Mountains. uh, Betty called my mother when they arrived home after they'd uh, had a little time to rest. And I was home from school in the afternoon and overheard the conversation. So uh, I, that many years ago, became interested in this topic. But about 30 or so years ago, I started to devote a lot of time first to investigating my aunt and uncle's case and then to moving on to uh, investigating the history of government involvement in uh, UFO research and investigation, their findings, and uh, also in working with experiencers to learn everything that I possibly could about the contact experience. As a as a child, hearing your mother, overhearing your mother talk to your aunt about this experience, what goes through a child's mind when these words are being spoken in front of them? The first thing that went through my mind was just absolute confusion because I had learned in school that it was very likely that we were the only populated planet in our solar system. And I wasn't even thinking about the galaxy or beyond the galaxy. I was thinking about our solar system and, and Mars, for example. And right. uh, it just seemed that it was impossible, yet my aunt and uncle were distressed. Something had happened to them. They had had this close encounter. My uncle had observed uh, figures staring back at him that were somehow not human. And then they heard a series of buzzing sounds striking the trunk of their vehicle. It caused the vehicle to vibrate for a tingling sensation to pass through their bodies. And as if only a moment had passed, they were 35 miles down the highway with very little recall of what had occurred in the interim. They remembered observing a fiery orb that seemed to be sitting on the ground, they remembered observing a roadblock. They didn't know where or when it occurred. They heard a second series of buzzing sounds. They drove home. They uh, could not find a restaurant that was open. My uncle was looking for a police officer. There were none on the road that he could find. 
And when they arrived home, there was physical evidence that something very strange had occurred. Now, before and after this experience, did you notice a change in your aunt and uncle? Um, were they were they afraid? Were they cautious? Were they apprehensive? Was did their personalities change at all? After this occurred, my aunt and uncle's personalities changed. They were very apprehensive. Uh, they had different reactions. My aunt and uncle initially, though, were very. Uh, a little distressed, I should say. They uh, feared that they had been exposed to radiation, cosmic rays, that they uh, might have been contaminated. They asked my mother to phone our neighbor, who is a physicist, to ask what they should do. They had already taken long showers. And uh, for some reason, he said, if you have a compass, Take it out to the car and see how the needle reacts to the car. That's not going to measure radiation. That is going to measure a magnetic field. So it appears that he knew something that we didn't know about in, at that time. And they took that compass out, and the needle would spin and spin when they placed it over uh, spots, that very shiny spots about the size of a quarter that were on the trunk of their vehicle. They hadn't been there the day before, and when they placed the compass over them, the needle would spin and spin. And when they moved it away, it would drop down. Dr. Bruce Maccabee states that this spinning and spinning is an indication of a counter-rotating magnetic field, and we have seen that in other cases of alien abduction and close contact with a UFO. How long after the event, and I think you did mention a span of years uh, in, in your opening answer, but how long after that abduction and you becoming aware of it did you actually do the investigation and writing your own book about the account? It was many, many years. Uh, the, this event happened to Betty and Barney on September 19, 1961. I spoke with them uh, a couple of days later, uh, my mother spoke with them the following day. I began my intensive investigation of their case in 1990. So uh, many years had passed. I, had, I went on. I, I went to college. I had uh, a regular career, started out in psychiatric social work and moved on to education educator, education services coordinator. And then in 1990, I uh, had kind of burned out from overwork, I guess you could say, <laughs> and uh, having five children at home, and I uh, stopped working in that field, and I was bored. Uh, what am I going to do next? Uh, I was so accustomed to intellectual stimulation. And I had always held an interest in my aunt and uncle's case, and I wanted to begin to investigate it on my own because I began to hear information on uh, radio shows, on television shows. I started to read it in newspapers and magazines, and it was different than what I had recalled. I wanted to separate fact from fiction and I wanted to know for myself if this had actually occurred, if they had actually been abducted. They uh, went through a lot of scrutiny after telling their story. Uh, they held up to the scrutiny uh, quite well. Uh, but did they ever express any regret for coming forward? Uh, they did not come forward on their own. They were willing to talk to scientists, to uh, UFO researchers, to friends, to their uh, people at their church and to their family, but they had never intended to go public with their story. It was the result of a violation of confidentiality in 1965 that took their story to the public. Betty was a social worker for the state of New Hampshire. Barney worked for the post office. They were both heavily involved in the civil rights movement. Barney was legal redress for the NAACP, he had been appointed to the U.S. Civil Rights Commission State Advisory Committee when 
that story was told as the result of a violation of confidentiality, and they were extremely re- uh, upset. Uh, they uh, met with the family. We all got together uh, across the street from my childhood home and my grandparents' home when this occurred, and we had to decide as a family, where do we go from here? What happens next? Are Betty and Barney going to lose their jobs? Fortunately, they didn't. But Barney was not reappointed to the U.S. Civil Rights Commission. We did decide that we should go public with the story. Betty and Barney agreed to talk about their close encounter, but not their abduction in November of 1964. Uh, 65, I'm sorry, November of 1965, at the Unitarian Church in Dover, New Hampshire, and they were introduced to the public by the public information officer from Pease Air Force Base. We have about a minute before we have to take a break here, but I and correct me if I'm wrong, Kathleen, but that particular case... Betty and Barney Hill's abduction case um, is one of the only that is has, has received some type of is it state government recognition or acknowledgement or, or some type of verification from a, a, a government institution. Yes, this is true. Uh, the state of New Hampshire State Historical Society erected a historical marker to commemorate Betty's and Barney's experience in upstate New Hampshire. It sits in front of the Indian Head Resort. In Lincoln, the only other one is that of Thomas and Matthew Reed and the Reed family, whose abductions occurred in Massachusetts and Connecticut after they moved there. So there are two that I'm aware of. And one thing I wanted to chat just a minute about, Kathleen, before we got into the book in a little more detail, is that we lost a giant in our field uh, not long ago. Stanton Friedman, of course, he's been a guest on this program several times, um, an amazing individual, a giant in the industry, and we all stand a little taller because we're standing on his shoulders in this work. Wouldn't you agree? I absolutely agree. I had the pleasure of working with Stanton for 14 years. We collaborated on three books together. We spoke at many conferences and, and uh, manned a, a vendor table together. We did many radio shows and even some television shows together. It was such a pleasure to work with him. He was a genius. He was meticulous in his work. Uh, he was the type of researcher who is groundbreaking who uh, was able to find evidence in support of the UFO presence when there was a blanket of denial. You've written um, many books on the topic, and the most recent one, Extraterrestrial Contact, is a bit of a different approach from what you've done in the past. Tell us why you decided to write this particular book in this way. I decided to write Extraterrestrial Contact because I wanted to write a guide for experiencers that uh, also included a workbook for people uh, at the end of each chapter. I wrote this because there was no book of its kind, yet experiencers were coming to me and to the people who work with me day in and day out seeking answers. Uh, They didn't know how to approach this. Many people had spent years and years attempting to discover what was going on in their lives. I decided to write this, and three of my colleagues joined me with a, a chapter each in order to help people to be able to understand what is going on in their own lives. Help us out with some of the definitions and differences here. We've heard the word abductee, we've heard contactee, we've heard experiencer. Define these for us so we know what the differences are. Yes, I've written an entire chapter on that. But very briefly, the contactees were the uh, people who were having contact back in the 1950s with uh, benevolent, human-looking 
entities that they called space brothers. At the time, uh, there was a lot of skepticism about whether or not this was even real. Uh, And contactees today are those who are having contact with benevolent space brothers. They have a human appearance. Uh, Oftentimes, this contact uh, has been requested or is mutually agreeable. On the other hand, abductee is different. Betty and Barney were abductees. They had an alien abduction. They did not ask for it. It was frightening. They were taken from the highway in the state of New Hampshire. They weren't out in their yard trying to call in a UFO. Barney didn't even believe that UFOs were real. And Betty hadn't made her mind up. So uh, they were taken against their wills. It was frightening. They did have to undergo months of treatment with Dr. Benjamin Simon through separate hypnosis sessions where he he saw both of them separately and reinstated amnesia at the end of each session uh, in order so that they could not speak to one another about what they remembered. They couldn't contaminate one another's information. And Dr. Simon also wrote that it was so that they would not experience increased trauma as a result of their memories. So uh, we sort of uh, place abduction in a totally different category uh, than contact. But John Mack, Dr. John Mack, the late great psychiatrist from Harvard who devoted so much of his time to research on this topic, came up with the, to- with the word experiencer. And it is sort of a generic catch-all term so that we can refer to everyone as experiencers. But there's been a movement in the field that I am in of calling everybody contactees. And those who are abductees certainly are not contactees. They are, uh, the leaders are attempting to tell people that all these experiences are positive and that they're only misperceiving this. Uh, people have the right to their own feelings, to their own emotions, to their own attitudes. And I believe that it, this is extremely important. Don't let anyone tell you that you are something that you are not. Kathleen, obviously you saw a need for this book. You saw a need for the information and the basically the, what we, I guess, guide uh, to help folks who have had these experiences. But I guess the question is, how common are abductions? Is this, is this something that is uh, occurring regularly? And how many people have come forward with these kind of stories? You know, many people think that they are the only one or they're one of uh, a few, a select group of people who are having these experiences. But I can tell you that this phenomenon is worldwide, that it impacts people in every country around the world. I have participated in a couple of major studies. One was done by the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Encounters led by Ray Hernandez, who was a federal tax attorney who had his own experience and began this organization. He, uh, we, in our survey, and I'm on the board of directors and a research consultant, we asked 4,000 people questions. 4,000 people participated in this from around the world. I then worked on another survey through the Mutual UFO Network with Dr. Don C. Don Derry, who is a retired professor from McGill University, psychology professor and statistician. 516 experiencers participated in that study. It's fairly common for individuals, I believe, to, to wonder what is actually going on 
in their lives. Uh, my team at the Mutual UFO Network receives up to 150 reports every month from people who are confused, who have had something happen in their lives, and they're trying to put the pieces together uh, in order to determine exactly what it was. A lot of people uh, who've had these experiences, particularly uh, have been abducted, aren't even aware. Uh, and it takes some type of event, maybe even a hypnosis, for them to remember and recall some of the events uh, that uh, are related to the abduction. What are some of the signs and how can somebody tell if maybe there was an, an event like this in their history that they should explore? Well, the first thing that we have to look for is the evidence. Uh, what do people remember? Uh, we want to make sure that it's not just a little bug bite that happened during the night, right. that this, uh, there is a repeating pattern here. Uh, it happens to uh, 75% of the population more than one time. And to abductees who are generational abductees, periodically throughout their lifetime. Generally, these people have some memory. Uh, many uh, statistically significant amount have had a close-up sighting of a UFO. They've had other family members who were taken. They uh, may have been outside when they were children uh, on the backlands of a family farm or fishing or hiking and they had a close encounter with a UFO and missing time. It became a little more tricky when the modus operandi changed and people were taken from their homes. They might not have remembered that they were taken from an external environment the first time. They might not know that it began with a mother or a father and now they're being taken from their homes. What happens? Oftentimes, they will awaken, sometimes paralyzed, only able to move their eyes. That's the symptom of sleep paralysis. So how do you know if it's sleep paralysis or if you're being taken? Well, the majority of experiencers, of abductees, I should say, um, have awakened, been awake, they have then become paralyzed and observed non-human entities in their presence. Something else to look for is, mm, is there a strange kind of light that is coming into your home or your bedroom at night while you're awake? Do you observe this? Do you then experience missing time? Do you remember that something is occurring that is frightening you, that, that involves non-human entities in this unusual light, and you feel then as if you've been in anesthesia and suddenly you're awake again, and it seems like you're just coming out of anesthesia. You remember what happened, what seemed moments before. You are fully awake and you know what's going on now, but you look at your clock and you're missing an hour or two there, uh, that can lead to, uh, you know, fear. It can lead to anxiety. Uh, it can lead to post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, people who are having these experiences oftentimes uh, have a fear of sleeping at night. Uh, they might sleep during the day, or they might have to sleep with their lights on, or or music, or, or a television running, which uh, is not good at all for their qualities of sleep. If they are able to fall asleep, they might be fearful of getting up, to, even to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. They, they just can't bring themselves to get out of bed. And if they come to the point where they absolutely have to, they're walking with trepidation. They might, their hearts might be racing uh, they might be shaking. Um, they might begin to feel anger and resentment toward the uh, alleged non-humans who are doing this to them. They might uh, 
after an experience, feel completely wiped out or ill, uh, shaking, uh, feeling nauseated. Um, They might uh, fear that if they attempt to talk to someone, maybe a best friend or a family member, they're going to be laughed at. And you can imagine what it's like for somebody who is this distressed to be uh, have uh, someone who's close to them say, well, what have you been drinking? What have you been right. smoking? Do you think you might need to see a psychiatrist? Something like that. Um, and you know that you are no longer like other people, that something has mocked you, something has made you different than others. We have to go to break here in just a minute, but uh, just touching on that point, the ridicule point, because that is something that is obviously the, uh, a major fear of anyone who's had this kind of experience. Um, but has that attitude changed at all? It seems as though the conversation is a little more accepted now than maybe it was 30, 40 years ago. Have you noticed any change? There has been a change in this. Uh, I have to say that part of this is the result of uh, the government disinformant Philip J. Class, uh, having been deceased for several years now, he was the one who went after Betty and Barney and dis- attempted to destroy their lives. He did this to Travis Walton. He did this to Charlie Hickson and Calvin Parker and Lonnie Zamora, uh, and on and on and on in case after case. And there were a team of skeptics. They called themselves skeptics. They were debunkers and disinformants uh, who attempted to destroy the lives of individuals who were having these experiences and to disinform the public and cause the public to believe that it was all psychological, misinterpreted, or that these people were attention-seeking. So uh, it has changed, and... Uh, I think that it's changed even more since uh, December 16, 2017, when the ATIP program, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, information was released on the front page of the New York Times, where Louis Elizondo, who was the director of that program, came forward. And now through the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, set up by Tom DeLong that has 10 former high-level government officials and intelligence officers and scientists who are beginning to disclose the truth about this information. But let's talk for a second about your books. You've got several. We're talking about the most recent one. However, is that the one you recommend people start with when it comes to your work? And where can people get the books? Boy, you can start with any book that you want. My first book was captured, The Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience with Stanton Friedman. He wrote two chapters and vetted my work for accuracy. Then we wrote Science Was Wrong, the history of science over the past 200 years, and uh, some very powerful scientists who made proclamations of impossibility, and they were wrong. Next, The two of us wrote Fact, Fiction, and Flying Saucers, the History of Government Involvement in the Investigation of UFOs, their major studies, their findings, the decision to cover up the findings, and those who were involved in the cover-up, all uh, based upon years of archival research that Stanton and I did together. Then the alien abduction files with Denise Stoner, six cases of alien abduction that I have personally investigated two very extensively over a number of years, and I did the hypnosis on two of those. And then, of course, my most recent book, Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted. So I say that uh, selecting the best book is like uh, attempting to determine which one of my five children (laughs) I like the most. Uh, Every book is very good in my opinion. 
and, and where and, can people get the books? And you can uh, order autographed copies of the book from my website at Kathleen with a K dash Marden M A R D E N dot com. It's also available at Amazon.com. You can get it as an ebook now as well, and BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, just a quick reminder of what we've got coming up, and then we'll bring Kathleen back into the show. Tomorrow night, June Lundgren will be here. June is a demon seer. She'll be talking about demonology and her new book called Demon Seer. And then Thursday night's program, Rob Jung will be here. He's an author and an adventurer. He'll be discussing Cloud Warriors of Peru, Poisons from the Jungle, and his own personal paranormal experiences. A lot of great stuff coming up here on Beyond Reality Radio. Again, our guest tonight, Kathleen Martin. Her website is her name. A lot of great resources there. It's Kathleen with a K dash Martin dot com. Kathleen, you also have been working with MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. You're their experiencer research on their experiencer research team. You're the director of that team. Tell us about your work with MUFON and uh, how experiencers can get in touch with your team if they believe that they, too, have had this type of experience. Well, I uh, have been the director of MUFON's experiencer research team since 2011, and uh, when I set the team up, uh, more and more people began to come to me uh, seeking assistance, seeking help and understanding of what was going on in their lives. I saw a need to have a support arm of MUFON, not just investigation, because so many people had reported their experiences and were unhappy because uh, they had an investigation and someone would say to them, well, you have not submitted enough physical evidence to prove that this was real, uh, and that was it. There was no assistance, uh, no way to uh, contact a vetted hypnotherapist or psychotherapist or find a support group, and I thought that all of those things were very, very important. So over uh, the past uh, several years, our team has grown from three to 35. We now have two psychiatrists and two Ph.D. psychologists and one uh, master's degree psychotherapist who serve as consultants to our team. So if we have questions uh, about uh, something that somebody has stated to us, uh, we can go to them for their expert advice. All of the members of our team have been trained. They, we have monthly meetings via Zoom where they have more training on a variety of different topics relating to contact. So uh, we are there to assist individuals who have questions, who are attempting to uh, come to terms with what is happening in their lives. And you can contact a member of the team by uh, going to mufonmufon.com. You scroll down to Experiencer Research Team, and you are then given the opportunity to speak privately to a team member to speak about your experiences. Um, you click on that, and it will take you to the Experiencer Research Team page. At the top of that page, it will say Experiencer Questionnaire. Click on that, and it takes you to the next page where you will find 30 questions. Uh, very simple to answer and uh, just true or false or yes and no and it does not matter what your score is. I find that people will complete that, and they'll say, oh, my score is low, and uh, therefore I can't speak with a person because they won't believe me. That was not set up for, to have a high score. That was set up for, uh, as an icebreaker so that team members will know where you are now, where you're coming from. If you have had only one experience, you may score five out of 30. If you've had a lifetime of experiences, you might score 15 to 20. So don't think that, if you, uh, that you have to have 25 or 30 
to uh, talk to someone without being embarrassed about this. Uh, my team members are there to speak with you, to help you. Uh, they have a list of support groups. Many of them, three are online support groups if you don't live near um, a support group, and also a list of vetted professionals that you can enter into a private relationship with, separate from MUFON, uh, if you are seeking um, something like uh, EMDR, uh, eye movement desensitization, and reprocessing therapy uh, to overcome trauma, uh, and also remember some of what is occurring, and uh, also psychotherapists who use hypnosis, and certified hypnotherapists as well. All right, let's uh, let's grab a, a listener call or two. We've got a bunch of people waiting with some questions. This is Dee in Seattle, Washington. Hey, Dee, welcome to the program. Hi, JV. Listen, Kathleen, I'm pleased to hear you tonight. Um, it might interest you to know that my family was investigated by APRO in the 70s prior to all of this alien stuff and media took off. Um, we really did, it shattered my reality. Um, my mother and I were abducted from her home, and she the next day said, were you in my room last night? And I said, no, and it went from there. I did not consciously have any memory, but here's my question. Oh, yes, the field investigator with Leo Sprinkle. Um it seems like other abductees that I have spoken to, including my family, have really strange health um, problems, generally like um, autoimmune disorders, um, illnesses that can't be explained by the doctor. Recently, my mother started losing blood and there was no explanation for it. They did colonoscopies in every test you can think of. Anyway, um, she kept telling me, it's them, it's the aliens, they're doing something to me. And I believed her, but, you know, what can you do? So I wanted to know in your research, have you come across strange health problems with abductees? I absolutely have. And uh, first I want to say that uh, APRO was a, a wonderful research organization. The head of it was Coral Lorenzen, and they recognized that alien abduction was real even when other organizations uh, wanted only to talk about the nuts and bolts UFOs. So uh, you were very, very lucky to work with Leo Sprinkle, yes, uh, who uh, has a, a Ph.D. in psychology and who uh, was a, a very, very kind and wonderful counselor and hypnotherapist, too. But uh, in terms of uh, your family members, one of the questions that we asked on MUFON's study was have family members experienced uh, contact and abductions as well? And we discovered that 60% of the abductees uh, had family members who were also taken. We did address the issue of health problems. We found out that 53% uh, had experienced sinus problems, 49% migraine headaches. This is... Uh, very elevated, 45% uh, nosebleeds, 44% uh, eye irritation, and 44% chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome or chronic mononucleosis, even though it is less than 1% in the general population. So it's significantly elevated. Autoimmune disorders as well. Uh, I, in one case that I just worked on, I just did the hypnosis and part of the investigation on, the uh, 
there were three individuals who were taken at the same time. They were outside uh, watching UFOs or attempting to see one. Uh, two of those individuals developed rheumatoid arthritis shortly after their contact event. Uh, one of them also developed uh, psoriatic arthritis as well. Uh, the psoriatic and rheumatoid arthritis are both autoimmune disorders. So, yes, that is uh, quite prevalent. Um, there, I have not asked questions about blood disorders. I know just as anecdotal evidence that some individuals do have blood disorders. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that episode with my mother stopped suddenly, and she got better, and the doctors were never able to explain. She's 83 years old, and this is happening. Wow. So, yes, and yeah. you know, it goes on. You're visited periodically. All I can say is ask for healing. Tell her to ask for healing. In our uh, experiencer survey, we discovered that 45% of the abductees had asked for healing and received it. So uh, that is something that would be uh, very desirable to do if she would like uh, to request healing. I worked with one experiencer who, and I wrote about him in the book, we, it's not just dry information, we wrote about uh, our cases. And in this case, the experiencer who had a great deal of evidence um, had developed lymphoma and was scheduled to go in for surgery and very, very distressed. Uh, I, told, I asked him if he believed in God, first of all, and he said yes, so I said, pray for pray. healing. Yeah. And next, uh, ask your ETs for healing as well. He got in touch with me two weeks later, approximately, and he sent me a video in that video, there was an orb that came into his bedroom. It slid down his wall. It was about the size of a baseball or softball, I would say, white with pale blue. It was beautiful. Flew across the room, dove down into his body after it put out some tendrils. He slept for 12 hours, and when he awakened, the nodes on his neck were no longer noticeable. They had been very large. I had a photograph of that. Wow. By the time he went in for surgery, four tiny necrotic nodes were removed. There is a medical doctor involved in this case, uh, and uh, he actually wrote about this case in the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial an Extraordinary Experiences uh, book uh, beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. I also have a chapter in that book, and he, uh, there is an entire chapter on medical healing. So I say, ask, you might receive healing. All right, let's, uh, thank you for that call, Dee. Let's grab one more before we have to go to break here. Hey, Barry, welcome to the show. This has got to be a quick one, but I know you have a good question. Okay, J.V. Kathleen, of all the abductee cases that you've studied, have you ever had any that were positive? Most of them seem like they're negative experiences. Thanks, J.V. Thank you, Barry. Well, actually, I have had many, many cases that are positive, but the majority of people say that the demeanor of these non-humans is businesslike. 37% said they were kind, 36% gentle, 34% uh, friendly. When we asked if you would make these experiences end today, would you? And 71% said no, they would not want these experiences to end today. Our guests tonight, Kathleen Martin, we're talking about alien abductions, and we're going to jump right back to the phone lines. This is a very short segment, so we've got to be quick on this one. Hey, John, welcome to the program. Thanks. Um, I'm not a true believer in the um, ETs and stuff yet. What book do you recommend for me to start off 
you know, learning and getting to know about ETs. So, John, you're asking about what book Kathleen recommends that might get you started on the topic? Yeah. I, w- I would recommend Captured, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience. Uh, that is a good book for beginners. Uh, they were beginners when it happened, and uh, it talks about uh, what happened, the emotional response they had, the kind of treatment they had, the scientific evidence. Uh, it uh, talks about their everything that happened in their lives. So I would say that is a very good book to begin with. And Kathleen, the book is presented in a, a kind of a guide format. You um, have a lot of chapters about um, you know process uh, steps. You've got uh, questionnaires. It's very well constructed and well thought out. But if it, you had to boil it all down, what would be the first step somebody should take if they suspected they have been uh, the victim of an abduction? The first step, uh, I believe, would be to uh, write down everything they remember about that experience because uh, we find that people can forget those things fairly rapidly. Even with Betty and Barney Hill, in the very beginning, that day that they re- arrived home, they had far more memory than they had as time went on. So write it down. Uh, check yourself out. Uh, can you see any marks on your body, patterned marks that are unusual? And if you do, photograph those marks and keep those photographs. You'll also, if you have bruises, measure those bruises and um, document the size and the location of those bruises. Uh, buy yourself a, a little handheld UV light, black light. Go into a dark room or a closet and uh, take your clothes off and check your body out with that black light. If you find fluorescence anywhere on your body, as long as it's not on one of those private areas where you don't want uh, people to, to see, uh, photograph it without a flash uh, in that dark room, the fluorescence will show up. And we find fluorescence in many cases, not in every case, but in, in a lot of cases. So uh, I wrote about that in a chapter in the book, How to Investigate Your Contact Experiences. And it tells step-by-step step what you should do to document all of this and uh, what equipment you can purchase and it also tells you where you might be able to purchase the equipment and the approximate price that you would spend uh, because there's a great deal of equipment that uh, is accessible, but you might not need all of that. So uh, that's what I recommend to individuals in, in a nutshell. Do they have anything to fear? Uh, sometimes these are repeat abductions for the same person. Is there something they they... Do they have a cause to fear? Well, I think that the cause of fear is fear of the unknown. And what I discover is as time goes on and people are taken throughout their lifetime, they gain a greater understanding of what is occurring over time. In this book, I've attempted to help people to understand it in a short period of time. Because when you have knowledge, you begin to lose that sense of fear that you have. And, and fear is one of the worst things that can happen. Both fear and anger. Um, just to, to give you some quotes, the three most harmful negative emotions are anger, guilt, and fear. And anger is number one. That's Joyce Meyer. And um, I've encountered many, many experiencers who are just angry about this happening to them. It is not a good thing. Bitterness is like cancer. It eats the host. By Maya Angelou said that. Holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Buddha 
and uh, cope to cope with anger. Anger turned inward causes depression. Um, it's the most destructive emotion. And uh, Anne Castle wrote about this in her chapter on uh, coping techniques, what to do uh, if you're experiencing fear, anger, uh, shock, denial, um, feeling of isolation. Um, All of these experiences that uh, and feelings that people have when they've had these experiences before they're able to move on and resolve and understand what is occurring. Once you have that understanding, many experiencers have been able to communicate with these non-humans. They've overcome the fear and they've been able to gain the knowledge that they have wanted to acquire over many, many years. So here's a couple important questions, and I don't know that you have the answers, but I'll ask them anyway. Why are people being abducted? According to my research, uh, it appears that it is a longitudinal genetic study. Uh, They are attempting to upgrade the human genome. You've probably heard a lot of talk about hybrids. Um, apparently, they are producing some hybrids. There, uh, it appears that they're also attempting to uh, improve their emotional state by uh, some, perhaps some kind of gene splicing unless they uh, are actually somehow related to humans. But, uh, you know, otherwise they wouldn't be able to uh, uh, be genetically compatible with us, but uh, they do seem to have the technology to be able to do gene splicing, to be able to do genetic studies on humans uh, over a long period of time looking for uh, an increase in desirable characteristics, trying to prevent us from destroying this planet. This has been a theme of theirs uh, for the past 70 years. They are extremely concerned about our use of nuclear weapons. They're extremely concerned about our warlike behavior, uh, how humans kill humans on a daily basis, that we're not concerned about our environment. We don't even care enough about the, our own children. Children are dying from hunger, from starvation, from diseases that are preventable every day in great numbers in this world. So they're, they're very uh, interested in these uh, problematic behaviors that humans have and trying to find ways to um, help us to become more mature and to develop to a point where our planet will be safe and that perhaps we'll even be able to uh, join the cosmic kindergarten and uh, have direct contact with them, possibly. You've used the pronoun several times. You've said they, you've said them. Do we know who they or them is or are? Well, we know that there are several prevalent types. Uh, we have the, the human type who claim that they once lived on this planet and had to move on uh, due to uh, partial environmental collapse. Uh, and that they come back from time to time to assist in our development. We have the greys who are seen working with this group of humans sometimes. There, are, there appear to be many types of greys. Some of the greys are more benevolent than others. Um, there's also the mantis type who work as uh, the physicians oftentimes with a group of greys. Then, of course, there are the hybrids that experiencers see on the craft and uh, perhaps maybe even some hybrids walking on this planet. That's, uh, that, that's something that's being debated. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other on that. And then there is the reptilian group, and there are different types of reptilians. Uh, there is a more benevolent uh, reptilian that has sort of reptilian flesh, but is, is quite humanoid in 
appearance and facial features. There's another type of reptilian that uh, tends to be uh, more malevolent, not as kind. To They tend to use humans. They tend to believe that they own this planet and everything on it and can take anything they want. Uh, but from my understanding, the more benevolent extraterrestrials are attempting and quite successfully to control the more negative ones. Uh, there are also tall whites that are reported and other types of non-humans, but these are in very, very small percentages. And where are people, when they're abducted, do they, are they taken aboard a craft? Are they taken outside of Earth's atmosphere, Earth's orbit? Uh, do we know where they're going? Well, that's a very good question because uh, that's open to debate. They've, they find themselves in a matrix kind of environment. It's not an Earth-type environment. Many feel that they are actually on a craft. Uh, they find themselves on a table in a small room on that craft. Sometimes they're taken to larger craft. Uh, sometimes they uh, appear to be in space. Sometimes they appear to be underwater. So it depends upon who is having the experience at any particular time. And um, in those that are uh, reported as being highly negative, and I'm not even sure that these are extraterrestrials and, and not um, uh, non-human entities, negative non-human entities from the astral realm. They find themselves taken on underground into caverns, into uh, a horrific kind of environment. We know uh, this might be a difficult question to answer because um, of the nature of what I'm about to ask, but do they ever keep people? We may not know that because if they kept them, we wouldn't be able to talk to them. Right. We don't know the answer to that question. Certainly, uh, one man has written a book about uh, people who simply disappear. Right. But what happens to those people? Um, are they uh, walking into a dimensional uh, window and get lost into another dimension? Um, I'm not aware personally of any family who has simply lost a family member when it is a generational contact. Your book also helps people in, um, investigate their own events and their abductions to determine what's actually happening. Um, in fact, uh, you've got uh, workbooks in the uh, book itself. How do you recommend people get started with that? Well, I would recommend that you uh, select the chapter that is most interesting to you. You don't have to start at the beginning, but I would recommend that you read the introduction first and then just select whatever chapter is most interesting to you and begin there. There's a workbook at the, begin, at the end of each chapter. It is there to assist you. Um, for example, uh, let me, I'm just kind of looking through the book here to find a chapter uh, with questions. And uh, say chapter 10. Uh, are your experiences positive or negative? There's a checklist here to help you to determine that. Um, check off. Are my experiences terrifying? My experiences are disrupting my life. My sleep disturbances leave me feeling tired during the daytime. Are they positive? I have many there. Are they positive? I'm sometimes frightened, but I can cope with my fear. My experiences are not too disruptive in my life. I'm being taken so infrequently that it doesn't have a big impact on my ability to sleep. So, and it goes on and on. But that's just an example of the, the type of workbook that we have at the end of every chapter to help anyone seeking help uh, with regard to their own experiences. 
Now, I, I'm I'm certain that um, while m- most of the discussions that you have, um, you actually can get to get some answers for people, but I'm sure there are some cases where you can't. And at what point does is it does it become necessary for um, one of the people that is, thinks they're having this kind of experience to actually seek medical help or some type of uh, professional help um, because something else might be going on? Right. If you are so frightened that you can't sleep. See your medical doctor. If this is an experience that is going on time and time again, or if it is extremely frightening, or uh, if you feel that you're uh, being uh, tortured, see a medical doctor. There might be something else going on. If you believe that this is happening night after night and these entities are flying into your body and out through uh, your mouth and your nose and your ears, see a medical doctor. If you have a post-traumatic stress disorder, it's very important to see a psychiatric professional who specializes in helping you to overcome your post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, I recommend individuals, uh, psychotherapists who use EMDR, Emotional Release Therapy, because they will remember their experiences, they will be able to release this trauma that they're holding inside, and it is the most successful type of therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder. So we highly recommend that even before uh, you start to undergo hypnosis. You want to uh, let go of that trauma, of that fear, because if you hold it inside, you could very easily become ill over time. And uh, th- that is why I believe so many people uh, do have chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome. The book is called Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted. Our guest tonight has been Kathleen Martin. Her website is Kathleen with a K-Martin.com. Kathleen, thank you so much for being here. It's been fascinating. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. All right. So do you think it's fair that uh, Orion comes into the studio before the show with two boxes of chocolate chip cookies? He kind of makes a faint like, hey, you want one, and then disappears with them? I mean, <laughs> I, that was, you were not sincere in offering those cookies. I, I really really felt like you were just like <laughs> doing it out of obligation. Were they good? Did you eat them all? Uh, most of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you didn't come out of the out of the, uh, the the control room at all. Why would I need to? Yeah, you had no need. Did you bring milk too or was it just cookies? No, that's what the lady at the store said. No, seltzer. Cookies and seltzer. It's the that new just thing. sounds No. No, no, no. That sounds really I did like what your comment about um, putting peanut butter on those though. That sounds like a really good idea. It'll change your life. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that really soon. Like, I might go over to the grocery store right now and so, uh, grab a box. You know, people say they want to be abducted. They wish they... But do do you really do you really think you would want to be abducted? No, I certainly don't think I'd want to be. I, I mean, mean it, it might be a, pretty cool to see what you could see right. under those circumstances. But listen, if they're abducting you... They're doing something to you. Right. There's a reason for it. Right. Uh, I don't want that, whatever that is, to happen to me. I mean, so. it would be absolutely just fascinating, but terrifying yeah, and, and both. And they don't have the same morality. You know, as they us would and... they would probably be uh, more eager to offer me chocolate chip cookies <laughs> than I get here in the studio. All right, that's going to do it for tonight, folks. Remember, tomorrow night we're talking about demons. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.Taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.